Welcome on Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined today by Jerry Hamilton. Uh, Jerry, Inside Texas uh, recruiting analyst and reporter, as well as on three national uh, recruiting analyst and reporter. How you doing today, Jerry? I'm good, Bobby. Just, uh, you know, getting back to the Sunshine State. Big event down in, uh, at IMG this weekend. Yeah, uh, so it's the Future 50. Is that what it's called? It's the Under Armour Future 50, where they bring in 50 of the top, obviously going to be seniors or a few rising juniors in the country. And it's a, it's a two-day event, but it's, it's a great event. Um, when I was at the SPN Under Armour, we put it on at uh, the Camping World Stadium uh, the day before the Under Armour game. They moved it during COVID to the summer at IMG, and, and that's gone really well. I think the kids actually prefer that. Got it. Um, who are, who are, who's going to be there that the Longhorn fans uh, should take note of? Yeah, Texas commitment, Sadir Mitchell, which I think it's a big stage for Sadir. Uh, I think we all kind of believe he's a guy that will move up in the rankings. Uh, he's still 16, um, but I, I think it's going to give him an opportunity going to get some really big-time offensive linemen. Jonte Cook will be there to another Texas commitment. I'm very interested to see Jonte because I, I, for those that haven't seen the photos of him, there was a photo working out with Margin Hooks and Evan Stewart. Jonte looks really big I mean he looks like not in a bad way he just looks like he's developing and getting stronger and uh, got a lot of muscle tone to him I'm, I'm interested you know to see him going you know it's look it's a seven on seven environment it's a one-on-one -on -one environment but they it gets physical it gets physical enough and I'm interested to see how much stronger he is and how much stronger he's going to play uh, because he looks like he's put on 10 really good pounds and then uh, targets uh, Miles McVeigh will be there obviously he's scheduled to visit the last weekend in July Tell us a little uh, bit about McVeigh, just for people, because he's not a guy that you and I have talked a bunch about. Yeah, McVeigh's a large human, uh, six, six and a half, about 350, 360, 370, depending on, you know, when you weigh him, when you see him. Uh, but I think most people think he's around 360. He's going to announce August 11th. And Texas is late to the party on this recruitment. Do they have enough time to be a real factor? Uh, we'll see after the scheduled visit the end of July. Uh, but Alabama, Oregon, Michigan State, Missouri, Texas A&M, that's really the competition. Obviously, Missouri's always in a fight to keep those high-level kids home. They did it with Luther Burden last year, who's going to be, I think, he's going to be one of the top freshman offensive players in the country. Uh, but, you know, Alabama want, covets Miles McVay. Oregon covets him. So there's a lot of competition. We'll see if Texas is too late to really make a dent in it, but they're going to give it a run. Um, okay, that, that all makes sense. Uh, and besides by the way, McVay, who else is there? Uh, Malik Muhammad and Javen Toviano, two of the top DBs on the board, uh, will be there as well. And um, um, look, it's a great event for the defensive backs. Uh, it, this is an event where defensive backs tend to show really well, in my opinion, because they're going up against top flight receivers. So the guys who are really smooth uh, in coverage, uh, because it's not a physical run support uh camp right or game scenario so i think these guys who are really natural cover guys who just stay attached tend to look really well at these events and i think malik muhammad will do that we ask people uh, we ask people for questions uh right. today on the message boards to get you some of those uh but before we get to those i also want to get some updates on some certain players who i think are um i guess as as we released on the scoop on inside texas yesterday some things that we're monitoring this week uh, yep. Let's start with Darian Gallette, uh, the linebacker out of uh, Marlin. Yeah, and I, I think there's families going to meet this week, kind of talk about the recruitment. As of this morning, you know, Tuesday at 730, I believe I, I got some correspondence. There's no news for sure right now. Um, but I think there was they're going to sit down and really talk about the recruitment. 
Um, I, I believe Darian's a heavy lean to Texas. I believe he has been for quite some time. What's interesting is one person told me Ohio State may actually be the number two team right now for Gillette, which is pretty interesting because Oklahoma did a great job uh, the early June official visit than Texas A&M, which is still a possibility for that last weekend in July if Gillette doesn't make a decision before then. I've thought for a while he would make a decision before then, but we'll see what happens. But as of this morning, no, nothing new to report other than maybe Ohio State's the number two team. Um, Braylon Shelby put out a note that he was announcing news on Wednesday. What do you expect that news to be? I expect it to be a, a top two list at uh, Texas USC you know A&M's still working on getting him in the last weekend in July if he's undecided I think that could go either way I've always leaned that he would decide before that time but we'll see the longer it plays out um, and I think that's a recruitment really that could go either way uh, I think both schools feel pretty good about it and that's always a fun recruitment to follow when both schools feel good because somebody's going to get their heart broken uh, yeah. because that means Shelby's telling both and I think Shelby really loves the west coast and usc i think he loved i love he's loved both visits out there i think texas answered all the questions on the june official visit um and you know we'll see wh where this goes i think the mom everything we'd always been told does prefer closer to home but that doesn't mean the kid's going to stay close to home so uh it, it's going to be an interesting decision and one that i do think could go either way and both schools do feel pretty confident Jaden Greathouse expected to announce his decision June 15th, or July 15th, excuse me. We expect that to be Notre Dame, correct? We, we have heard nothing different on that, right? I mean, the, the only thing that gives you pause with Jaden, and look, I, I'm picking Notre Dame until proven wrong, is he sure to get to campus. I know it's five, six, seven, eight miles, whatever you want to call it, but he sure to get to campus all. He went and competed at the camp. You don't have to compete at a camp. He showed up and watched the morning workout, right? He showed up at a spring practice. Um, and Inside Texas broke a lot of that news, just so happened uh, that we broke a lot of that news. But it's he's been on campus a lot. He's shown a lot more interest in Texas down the stretch. But is it enough to overcome Notre Dame? We'll see. All signs point to it being Notre Dame. So, look, upsets happen. Uh, and I'm, when I say upsets, I'm talking about the RPM and the crystal ball and all that in our recruiting industry. And that would be an upset. Everybody's picking Notre Dame. What about his teammate, Colton Vosick? He's, he's another interesting one. I, I think it's similar to Shelby in a lot of ways is do you just want to get away from home for college? And with Vosick, obviously that's magnified because he's in Austin at Westlake and is, uh, it's a University of Texas family. Obviously his father played at Texas and you know, Justin Wells, myself, I think everybody's kind of heard through the grapevine during this recruitment that, you know, maybe Colton's just a kid that wants to go experience something new. And so where is that new going to be? Well, if we trust the intel, that new would be Oregon if he goes that direction. Does Oregon not knowing where they're going to play have an impact here with maybe Colton and his family? I mean, I think that's a legitimate conversation. Uh, piece but he's again we're expecting a decision before his senior practices start in August and that means it could come this week next week anytime it looks like it, it looks like that's kind of what, what we're rolling into is this next birth of commitments along yes. with uh, barbecues that tech not only Texas but other programs around the state are having and trying to get some players in like Anthony Hill Toviano Malik Muhammad uh, Muhammad we don't know exactly what's going on there yet but could be on the precipice of a decision, could be waiting, just got to wait and see kind of right now. 
Yeah, I, I think there's a chance he, he doesn't go all the way till the 1st of August. Um, and, and that is going to, if that happens, obviously that'd be great news for Texas. Uh, I think that's pretty much known right now. That doesn't mean it's a lock, but look, if, if he were to decide before that end of the month uh, scheduled visit to Texas A&M, Texas A&M fans would not see that as a positive for them. So, yeah. and I think Texas fans would see it as a positive for them. So I, I think that one's been trending in the right direction for Texas. And now we'll see how long it actually plays out. So I, I've, I've, I really wanted to open this up to the, the viewers and listeners today uh, to try to get them uh, involved a little bit in the question and answer section with you. Sure. Uh, because I think I, I can go drone on about, I, I mean, I, I hit the topics pretty hard on some stuff. And this is a little bit more broader based. I think some of them want to know uh, from you as well as more specific based. And I'm just going to go straight into it. Sure. Is it, and, and this is, this comes from a fan on Inside Texas. Is it either or for Jalen Hale or McCall Harrison pilot? I think we've heard that's a possibility. Um, I, I think it's a, it's a possibility now. If Jayden Not Gray definitive though. Not definitive, well, but possibility. Possibility. Here's why. Here's why I say that. If Jaden Greathouse goes to Notre Dame, July fifteenth, does that change the board at Texas? Does that now open up two spots? Because obviously Greathouse has been a guy Texas has targeted at, at near the top of that receiver board the whole way through. You don't show up on campus three times in a couple of months if you're not a top target of Steve Sarkeesian and Brennan Marion. So if Greathouse goes to Notre Dame, that may open up that secondary number. All right, another question. This one's a little bit broader topic. Uh, a, a reader wants to understand how does the big board work at Texas? Um, and I can help uh, educate this one as well, but I want to get your feel. They're asking, is it just three or four deep or do they go as deep as they need to go? Or how, how does it really work for Texas across the board? Well, I think it starts a lot deeper of a board at a position, right? Um, a lot, some of those kids have committed. Texas has got commitments. And so the board shrinks over time, right? And do you still have a secondary board on down? If you looked at the board, you'd see the top two or three at the position. Then you have a few names farther down still. Yeah, you do. Um, the evaluation process continues. Maybe senior year guys you want to take a look at. It may be guys that look, I can guarantee you this. There's already discussions in these offices. Okay, what jobs may open up? How could that affect some of the guys we're recruiting, right? And that's part of the reason you go a little slower in the recruiting process if you're Texas, and it really worked out in the 2022 class. So I think the board has shrunk right now at a number of positions. Um, could that expand depending on decisions of some of these guys prior to senior year? Absolutely. I want to give some some uh, intel here just so people understand. So a recruiting board uh, in the literal sense are magnets. Yes. Placed on a whiteboard. Um, and basically it has all of a player's name, just like you would assume a depth chart would look like for a college football team. Imagine it a recruiting depth chart. Um, and they have people, they have players in the typical sense above the line and below yes. the line, yes. they have them and ranked in different colors. <laughs> yeah, in different colors, ranked above the line, ranked below the line. Um, my understanding is something that Texas does a little bit different is they don't necessarily put everybody's name up on the board in the in the real board. They pick up, they put the ones that they want, uh, and then they pick up uh, some guys. But but it's more of a uh, I don't want to say it's not this broad thing because ultimately. They look at everybody. It's not that they don't look at everybody. 
it's that the ones that make it to the board are the ones that make it to the board, yeah. uh, so to speak. So, and, and Bobby, I, and this is a good chance for us to say this: the recruiting board has changed with the portal. I mean, look, if you're one of the blue blood power programs, you know you can go fill needs in the portal. So your board may be a little shorter than it was five, six years ago. Perfect point. Great point. All right. Uh, another question for you. This one's a little bit different. Biggest surprise you think of the three stars currently committed to Texas? Which one, which one are you betting on uh, of those kids? Okay. Well, so this is an interesting one because we have a – uh, rankings update coming with on three in the 2023 class next week. So it's Sadir, <laughs> so it's Sadir Mitchell for me. Um, large human being that's still 16, that hasn't turned 17. And if you just watch some of the recent workout videos of him what, with the D-line trainer up in the Garden State, you see a guy that's bending really well. You see a guy that's, uh, even though he's a large human being, his feet are moving really quick. He's showing ankle flexion. He's showing all the hip flexibility. He's showing all those things you want to see. Um, I expect him because of his age and just kind of what you're seeing the difference in his, his movements to really show well at Future 50 this weekend and be a guy that moves up in the rankings. And look, I mean, Bobby, we can talk about him for 10 minutes probably, but uh, you brought up a great point on a phone conversation with him. Is it 50-50 this guy plays in the NFL? And if it is, you either rank him accordingly. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that's where people miss in a lot of this industry. Look, is if, if a big lineman, you think it's 50-50, he's going to play in the NFL because of his size and athleticism combo, that, that's better than the rate of a, of a, a regular four-star playing in the NFL. Right. And right. so that, that just tells me that that's one of those things. And, and look, and Bobby, and some of this, we, you know, some of this is what you see, but some of this is also, you know, being fully transparent, man. Look, Georgia had Sadir Mitchell number one on the board over the football. In America, the national champion. Texas A&M signed out gobs of five-star defensive linemen in the last two classes. They were still going to New Jersey and coveted Sadir Mitchell. I mean, so some of this is like, okay, you gotta you gotta be honest enough and transparent enough and genuine enough to say time to take a second look. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, another question uh, from Inside Texas. Uh, the question is the proliferation of recruiting out of state. Uh, one person asked, "Yes, the SEC door was opened by Texas A&M with Texas and OU going. It's why it's like." The, the door is off the hinges. There is no door anymore. But furthermore, you have Ohio State and now Clemson coming in. USC and Oregon are trying to make some kind of beachhead, for lack of a better term. Um, is this, what do we, he wants to know, what do we expect long-term in recruiting in the state of Texas? Is this bad news, good news? What is it for, for UT? I, I think it's, I think it's all, I think it's great news for Texas moving to the SEC. No doubt about it, because look, at the end of the day, the one thing I've always maintained in, in recruiting is there's an age of influence with these kids, 10, 11, 12, 13, right? Um, and, and for the Texas fans, remember, when we used to report on this, every kid said Texas first out of their mouth for about a seven or eight year period. 
it's Vince Young, it's TJ Ford, it's Colt McCoy, it's all the guys getting drafted and Texas winning 10, 11, 12 games. They're making deep runs in the NCAA basketball tournament. And that stuff carries over the football. Football kids play basketball growing up. They saw Texas as a place with great players that were winning uh, at a high level, you're winning national awards. T.J. Ford, Kevin Durant are winning the basketball Heisman's, right? I mean, Vince Young wins a national championship. Baseball wins national championships. It all carries over. Uh, and my point on this is these kids that, are 10, that have, were 10, 11, and 12, all they've seen is SEC win national championships or Clemson, which is essentially SEC, right? It's in South Carolina. So the conference affiliation doesn't really matter. Only school outside of that's Ohio State. And you've seen what Urban Meyer did in Texas because of that. Now, and I think Texas A&M capitalized on that smart and did a great job with it. Now, Oklahoma and Texas are moving into the SEC. And, you know, that's going to be tough for anybody recruiting in Texas, in my opinion. Uh, you know, look, Oklahoma's having a tough time in Texas right now because I can't remember the last time where AM and Texas were both arguably up at the same time. And I think Texas is on the upswing uh, with Arch Manning, the move to the SEC. So I think Texas is becoming up in the kids' eyes again. So I can't remember the last time um, that both those schools were all considered up in recruiting. I think what's going to be fascinating with this is what happens to Oregon in a conference. Uh, because kids in Texas like Oregon. And if Oregon ends up in the Big 12, are they going to be more of a threat in Texas than USC in the Big 10? Or less. Can, uh, or less. Uh, some of the allure. I, I don't know. Some of the allure of Oregon is to go play somewhere else, and all of a sudden you're playing in Lubbock. Well, I think that's what's <laughs> going to be. I think that's what's. Yeah, it's a great point. I think that's what's going to be interesting. Is USC hurting Texas moving to the Big 10? Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I mean, is it, are they? Because I think a lot of times when you go out to L.A., you're thinking of, you know, UCLA, USC games, USC up in Oregon, you know, even the recruiting pitch of, hey, we're playing at Arizona State, you know, we play at Arizona every other year. What's going to, is USC going to be hurt in the state of Texas going to the Big Ten? I don't have the answer. I actually think USC in the Big Ten and Oregon in the Big 12 helps Oregon versus USC in recruiting in Texas a little bit. I could be wrong. I, yeah, I kids, feel kids like, like kids view Oregon a little different than adults do. That's what I've always said. Yeah, that, no, that's definitely true. First of all, that 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 is without question because I don't like their uniforms, <laughs> right. uh, you know, and all the kids seem to love them. But uh, what I would say to that is uh, Oregon uh, becoming part of the Big 12 and having to play in Waco and Lubbock and Stillwater and Manhattan, Kansas is not what kids think of when they think of Oregon right. like likewise you're talking about USC in the Big Ten it's more difficult to get to yes Iowa City Lincoln Nebraska um you know Madison Wisconsin those those places are not as easy to get to as San Francisco or Oakland oh, and, and, you know that's, that's kind of my point that's why yeah. I think Oregon or Phoenix right yeah. 
Yeah. I think that's why Oregon's going to benefit if they're in the Big 12 more than USC in the Big 10. Because the, not, the way you've recruited against Oregon, if you're a school in Texas for more than a decade now, it's hard to get to. They, they're always playing on the West Coast. Your parents are never going to be able to get out there. Now Oregon's going to be able to sell. We have all this. We have the best facilities, everything you love. We have Phil Knight. We have Nike. But now three times a year, we're going to be playing in Texas. I see. I, I think it's going to work. I think it's going to work. I don't know that it'll help Oregon um, in that way. If they join the big 12, I do believe that it helps USC in the state of California to move to the big 10. I agree. It's a big, bigger cachet, but it doesn't necessarily help them in the state of Texas. In the state, yeah, in the state of Texas. Correct. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you the other thing, but here's, we took that discussion to two teams that weren't really asked about, but that it does factor in. At the end of the day, Texas moving to the SEC is hurts every school that's recruiting in Texas. AM and Texas both being in the SEC hurts LSU, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Notre Dame. It hurts everybody that recruits in Texas. As long in as some, both, as long as both of them win enough games for it to matter. Yes. Some of them it will, but I mean that's that's been the case for since I've been alive. Right. right? I mean, some some guys just leave the state. All right. Next question that I had for you that I thought was pretty good. You mentioned Arch Manning. Uh, Terry Joseph has done pretty good in, in Louisiana uh, this year. They're on Jordan Matthews as well. Uh, Derek Williams is already committed. Will Randall committed. Um, one user wants to understand what do you think it means for 2024? So the next great class in the state of Louisiana apparently is 2025. Um, that's just something to kind of put away. I think 2024 is strong too, but 2025 is looked upon as maybe a great class in Louisiana. And we see how these kids kind of, you know, fill out frame-wise. Do they love the game? Blah, 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 all the things we talk about. But right now that class has been, I, I've been hearing that for a year since these kids were in eighth grade, that this class looks really, really different. Um, I just think Texas, one, Sarkeesian staff was set up for success in Louisiana. Terry Joseph has so many connections, as we've talked about. Bo Davis has a lot of connections, right? And then Brandon Harris played at LSU. He's from uh, uh, Louisiana as well, right? I mean, and then there's others, Hankton. I mean, there's some other guys uh, that have ties in the state of Louisiana. Um, and look, a lot of the coaches have recruited Louisiana. I mean, there's if you coached at Alabama, you recruited in Louisiana, right? So, I mean, Steve Sarkeesian, Kyle Flood, all these guys have re recruited in Louisiana. So this staff was set up to have success in Louisiana if – kids were willing to leave the state and look they've had success in 2022 great success in 2023 and I do think it helps um, long term I think one of the interesting things in the state of Louisiana is going to be kids can make money off NIL in high school and is LSU going to be able to kind of tie that into a recruiting advantage somehow in state because I think they're going to have to um, I think kids are more willing to leave the state of Louisiana right now than they were say five years ago when you looked at it five, six years ago, Nick Saban would win on I-20, Cam Robinson, Hootie Jones. Um, obviously, the big recruitment down south was um, <clears throat> the safeties, names escaping me right now, that committed and the mom was so mad, right? Um, but, um, you know, I-20 has always been a place where kids would leave the state, right? But I think at, it was really Nick that was winning the key recruitments in Louisiana five, six years ago. I think you're seeing more kids drift out of the state right now. Um, so I think getting Arch Manning, obviously, 
uh, is huge because he is the most talked about recruit in Louisiana since Leonard Fournette and more talked about than Leonard Fournette, honestly. So you'd have to go back maybe to Peyton, right, in Louisiana. You may have another name, but um, I think that's kind of where we're at. It doesn't guarantee the kids are going to leave, but I think the first season on the field for Brian Kelly is really big for the schools that are coming in, A&M, Texas of the world, and trying to get top players out of Louisiana. You know, Brian Kelly, they say, well, he's not a – He's not a great personality fit, but Bobby and I are on, we've always been on the same page. This guy's a hell of a coach, right? If, if he has a good year, first year on the field, then a lot of those concerns or questions, some of the circles of prospects have maybe because they don't like his personality go away. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the question, right? right? Is what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Right. You know, if he wins, then that's great. If he doesn't, uh, you know, is he, you know, yeah. it's one of those, those issues. You have coaches that want to be something, though, have to break through that. And I think Brian Kelly has done that at every stop. He has. So I, I think history tells me that they're and probably the way, going to be good. And by the way, win LSU, is the question. LSU's had a nice little run in their recruiting class in the last two, three weeks. So they're proving that they're, they're going to recruit really well in the Brian Kelly. It's LSU. You're going to recruit a top 10 class. I mean, that's just a given. Um, just look at your state and what's west and east. Uh, but they've got a little run here uh, in June. So their class is looking better and better, and they're actually building some momentum. Um, one person wants to know about Cedric Baxter, the running back out of Orlando. Yeah, nothing's changed for me. I have an RPM prediction at 75%. Look, I haven't hit on all of them. Uh, I can always be wrong. I still feel like Texas is in a great spot there, and a lot of it is because Tashard Choice and uh, Baxter have such a great relationship. And I think, you know, one of the things that was telling when you look back on all, all these recruitments, if Cedric Baxter does commit the taxes August 10th, is Texas prioritized him for longer than I think people knew. And everybody just assumed that Reuben Owens would be the guy Texas prioritized, but it's been Cedric Baxter. And so Tashar Choice has a, had to have a lot of confidence in his relationship to sit, come to Texas from Georgia Tech and recruit the number one ranked running back for on three out of Orlando, Florida, who's originally from the Boynton Beach area uh, where Lamar Jackson's from. So really a South Florida kid living in Orlando. You have to have a lot of confidence in that relationship when there's, so, when there's another really good back in Texas. And you know what else it tells you? Steve Sarkeesian had, gave a vote of confidence to, to choice in that relationship. And that's big for choice. Yeah, he did because he didn't, he could have said, no, 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 no. We're going to go with this guy in El Campo. That's right. And Sart let choice make that, make that, and not, not in a vacuum. Choice didn't make no. it by himself. Right. I'm not trying to say that, but that, that's, that's good stuff. Well, look, hey, here's the thing. Here's Bobby, bottom line. If Tashar Choice wasn't hired, I don't think Cedric Baxter, as of right now, is picked to go to Texas. Even though Arch Manning is recruiting him, I without to short choice, I don't think Baxter goes to Texas if he goes to Texas. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, uh, next question is a quick one. Next commitment for the Longhorns. Hmm, that's a good one. Um, that's a tough one to predict. I'm gonna go. Hmm, that's a tough one, guys. So that's a good question. Um. I'm not going to say the name. I think it'll happen either July 20th or July 21st or second. I think we're, if nothing happens this week, it'll, we're look, it's not that far off. Um, I think you can throw about three guys in there, a Darian Gillette, 
a Braylon Shelby, possibly a Malik Muhammad. So I think if there's nothing this week, don't go on vacation next week. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. You're not on vacation anytime. I, I'm the one that takes vacation. <laughs> hey, you, you're, you're spending so much time in Florida. Maybe you are. Uh, real quick, uh, big defensive lineman Texas offered uh, last week or earlier this. I can't remember. Days are melding together. Jordan Hall, uh, friends with Sadir Mitchell. Yep. Uh, apparently, Texas came out of nowhere since uh, landing Mitchell, and now Hall is going to visit Texas for the for the barbecue coming up here in a little bit in two weeks. Right? Tell yeah, tell people about Jordan Hall and who he is. Yeah, I, I think that's a possible visit that weekend. I, if it's been confirmed by somebody, I have not. I think it's a okay. possibility. Okay. But look, Jordan Hall. Um, I think it's going to be one of the top three defensive tackle, the three technique prospects in this class. Uh, we were ranked on three, we ranked them way high before anybody else did. Uh, it was pretty easy to see on tape on that one. I mean, he, the kid's 6'3", 295, 300 pounds with really long arms with great feet, really good first and second step. Um, and, and natural power for a guy that doesn't, that can still get a lot stronger in, in the look of his frame. Uh, but he is absolutely one of the top guys. Um, we've heard for quite a while at on three, he's the number one uh, guy on Georgia's board um, that, that plays off the ball defensive line. Uh, and I think he's the number one guy on a lot of boards. I mean, there's two big time D tackles in Florida, in my opinion, uh, John Walker from Kissimmee Osceola and then Jordan Hall. Texas has now offered both. I think the thought was John Walker would end up staying close to home, closer to home. I think Texas believes there's a chance Jordan Hall could drift a little farther from home if he tells Georgia no. Here's a question from, that comes from me specifically. Uh, what's going on with Hunter Osborne, the defensive lineman out of uh, uh, Hewitt Trustville in Alabama? I think that he's been one of the more interesting recruitments for me because coming out of the visits to Clemson, Texas and Tennessee. I don't think there was any doubt Clemson was probably the favorite of Hunter. I don't, I've heard that was maybe not the favorite of the family. And then Clemson's, I think, pretty much filled up on the defensive line, uh, which that's impacted a few guys. I mean, not that Clemson couldn't decide to take uh, another guy. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, Colton Vosick was strongly considering Clemson. Hunter Osborne. But you see the commitment stack up on the defensive line for Clemson. And so what we had heard last week, what I'd heard last week, I don't want to put that in, in everybody in inside Texas's mouth in case it ends up being incorrect, was that he was letting Alabama know that he would have interest in going there. And so when Peter Woods started to look like he may spurn Alabama for Clemson, which Peter Woods was, when I went through Alabama in April, that looked like a done deal for Alabama. He goes to Clemson. Um, would Alabama take Hunter Osborne in the class and and I haven't heard anything that says they are so if Alabama doesn't then it comes maybe down to Texas and Tennessee well the, somebody in the circle initiated some contact with Texas on Monday um, and, because Hunter had not been communicating very consistently with Texas in the lead up to Peter Wood's decision um, so the question is is Tennessee just going to win out because of proximity at the end of the day um, is there is the circle going to push Texas maybe harder than Hunter pushes Texas? It's, a, it's an interesting recruitment to follow because it's been going a number of different directions. And by the way, initially, his timeline was around August 25th, first game of the year. I think he could commit here in the next couple of weeks as well. I think he's going to probably move off the timeline. It looks like it's going 
it's coming down to the wire here. Um, one another question I thought was interesting, and I'm, I'm trying to go through these uh, in a, a smart way here. Uh, Malik Muhammad, Jordan Matthews, JV, and Toviano. Three corners, right? Um, Muhammad is, uh, we think, is getting ready to make a decision, possibly either before or after the A&M visit. We just don't know. Uh, Matthews is coming in, but still taking visits, uh, including Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alabama also involved with uh, Muhammad, uh, albeit not necessarily as much, probably. Um, and then Toviano, is there something to be made that Toviano doesn't want to go to the same school as Muhammad, or is that just message board chatter? I haven't heard that personally. Um, so I think a lot of things are message board chatter until proven otherwise. Um, but look, I, the way I look at the recruitments is one, I don't think Toviano is just a corner. I, I think he comes in as a corner, but I think he, he's got a little versatility about him. I think he could be a really good nickel. Um, I think Muhammad's a corner all the way. Um, I, I think Jordan Matthews is probably a corner, but has some versatility with him as well. But I've not heard specifically that there's no chance Toviano and Muhammad go to the same school. I, I tend to say, and eh, let's see on signing day on that stuff. Um, but because momentum, things take over. Look, Toviano kind of profiles as a kid that would go to Texas, but so does Malik Muhammad. Um, uh, Eric and I talk about that all the time. And those guys kind of both, Toviano reminds me a little bit of Jackson Jeffcoat and the way he profiled the Texas. It was a recruitment that took a long, a long time to play out, right? And Jeffcoat came down to Florida and Texas, two schools that I could see him really profiling too before staying close to home. At Toviano, look, Oregon's in it, Michigan's in it, all those players are in it, Georgia, Alabama. But at the end of the day, I still think it's going to come down to AM and Texas for him. I, I think he's going to stay close to home. He has a brother playing at Rice, um, very academic-minded family. Uh, the kid is smart as a whip. Um, and so it's going to be interesting. I have not heard there's no chance those guys play together. And I don't believe that. If they sign on signing day and Toviano comes out and says, the reason I didn't go to this school is because Muhammad went there, then I'll believe it. Otherwise, I don't. Have you heard anything more on Janarius Moore? The, uh, his, his, Brown, the Janarius, out of, Brown. Uh, Janarius Brown, I'm sorry, out of, uh, out of uh, Moss Point, Mississippi, the defensive end. Yeah, kid Texas covets, loves the upside, loves the athleticism. Uh, still scheduled to come in the last weekend in July. Look, and if people are questioning, does Alabama want the kid? Alabama's trying to get the kid in the last weekend in July, too. So that should tell you a lot right there. And that goes back to the Hunter Osborne conversation. Where's Hunter Osborne on the board at Alabama? I think there's a good chance he's behind Jamarius Brown. Interesting. And Pete Golding's always going to recruit the state of Mississippi and New Orleans, right? I mean, that's very important to Alabama. Uh, so Jamarius Brown's still scheduled to come in. Got it. Um, one one last thing, uh, and I appreciate you taking the time, and I, I know the, the readers of Inside Texas do as well, and uh, the folks that watch this YouTube channel. The, the thing that I would ask you, Jerry, um, knowing what you've heard behind the scenes at Texas and what you saw in recruiting last year, has your – thought process changed any whatsoever on the freshmen that have already enrolled and showed up on campus? And if so, who are the ones that have changed the most in your view from November or December of last year to today? I've heard nothing but really good things about the offensive line class. And I I think Texas fans, that's probably number one (laughs) for all Texas fans is, um, look, I've heard multiple NFL draft picks 
out of this group from multiple people who have watched these guys that come into Alabama and other schools. Uh, I think the work these guys have put in in the summer, uh, the ability to go in and the willingness to go into the film room in the summer and learn scheme and learn calls uh, and sit down with coaching staff and really learn the position and the scheme at Texas has impressed. So you knew the guys had the physical tools, uh, but I think the mental side has impressed the people around the building with this freshman offensive line class. And look, seeing Cole Hudson being in Austin, just seeing him, he walked by and just seeing how his body changed, Bobby. I mean, he came in at 325. I think he's about 305 right now. He looks totally different in a short amount of time. So then you start to say, okay, what is Kelvin Banks? Well, Devon Campbell's, I mean, he's a block, right? Cam Williams is always going to look 365, whether he's 350 or 380. Um, but Neto, what are those guys, him and Kelvin Banks, what are they really going to look like the first time they put the pads on at Texas? I bet we see prospects that look a lot different than we saw when we saw in April when they were on campus to greet Arch Manning's unofficial visit. All right, a quick programming note here. Uh, Texas coach Steve Sarkeesian uh, expected to step to the microphone for Big 12 Media Days on uh, Thursday. Joe Cook, Ian Boyd, Justin Wells will be there. We'll have reports from there. Uh, additionally, Eric and I will be uh, doing our weekly state of the program. Uh, that'll be out tomorrow. Uh, and uh, Jerry, you will be in Orlando at uh, yet our is it a, at Orlando or at yeah, IMG? IMG Academy in Bradenton. Bradenton, okay. Yeah, you'll be there for the Future 50 event. So uh, Inside Texas folks spread across the country uh, this week, trying to bring you the latest news on the Longhorns. And Jerry, I got one last thing for you. Let's do it. That safety from New Orleans, Landon Collins. You couldn't there remember. You I couldn't. I couldn't. <laughs> and I, I don't know how I forgot it, but Landon Collins, that's still the craziest commitment we'll ever see, probably, other than maybe J Jacob Copeland's mom getting standing up when he committed that. Uh, Florida over Alabama and is live on ESPN. I was part of setting that up and the mom got up and walked off, which I felt so bad for the kid. Uh, but the, the Landon Collins was probably still number one because it was during the Under Armour game. And then Gerald Willis, his brother, came through a few years later and you just said, what's going to happen? On <laughs> and so you had to put it on TV, right? Just to know what was going to happen the second time around. But that was an unbelievable moment for ESPN and Under Armour. Jerry Hamilton of uh, InsideTexas.com. Please join us there uh, for more discussion. Uh, for Jerry, I am Bobby Burton. This has been this episode of On Texas Football.